Hi, everybody. Welcome to Our Sinclair. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about The Hobbit. Now, tell me about the first time that you uh, entered the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. Absolutely. Uh, I remember it. Uh, it was seventh grade. I was in middle school and uh, not particularly popular boat. I find that hard to believe. I know. I got better. I was a late bloomer. Uh, and, and so these books I kept seeing in the library, and one of them was The Hobbit. Mm -hmm. And so I read it, and I was like, this is awesome. It opened up that world. And then I read the trilogy, which I thought was way less awesome than The Hobbit. Were you like that? No. In fact, I was totally the opposite. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm the opposite now, but when I was in no. sixth grade... The Hobbit was number one with me. Well, it's funny because I was also in seventh grade when I first read, but I started out with The Lord of the Rings. Uh -huh. I was I was also quite popular, and so I spent most of my lunch times in the Hurricane Middle School Library. Me too. That's where and, I got it. And yeah. uh, and I just I was looking around the shelves one day, and I just saw The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and I was like, "Well, that sounds cool." And so I picked it up and I started reading it, and. Uh, and I read the whole trilogy, and I don't think that I really understood much at all of what was going on. I mean, yeah. it was totally lost on me, but what I got out of it was the fact that this was a story, this was the first thing I'd ever read that wasn't entirely plot-driven, where it's like, this leads to this, and this leads to this. It's like, this was the first thing that I read where people just kind of kicked back, and they would give you a whole chapter, like... People give, like, the chapter about Tom Bombadil's house a lot of crap. They're like, oh, I wish they'd just get out of there. But, man, I loved it. I loved learning about, like, all the different stuff that was going on in the world. It made it seem like a real world, not just, like, a vehicle to take me to, like, the the, the climax of the story. So yes. I read that, and I didn't read The Hobbit. I mean, maybe I read it, like, when I was in late high school. But uh, but I read I only read the Lord and I think I read Lord of the Rings twice before I read The Hobbit and then I read I know I've read the trilogy three times the last time that I read it was um, when I was right before the movies came out when I was in college and I was like mm -hmm. I've got to read this one more time because after I see the movies I won't be able to use my mind's eye anymore forever yeah. on Frodo will be you know Elijah Wood the you probably would have liked The Hobbit if you'd read it when you were younger probably I think. If you'd read it first, mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. It was a straight-up adventure. Yeah. It was nowhere near as uh, uh, compl complicated or confusing as the as the trilogy. Mm -hmm. uh, I've read the trilogy a couple of times, not recently. It was back. In fact, it was eighth grade when I read it the first time, and it was confusing as hell. Everyone had two different names, or yeah. three different. Oh names. yeah. Yep. And you're like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And you're right. And it was super wordy. Like uh, Tolkien has that. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say flowery, descriptive way mm -hmm. of writing. Yeah. I mean, I thought I remember reading it and thinking, man, this could be a movie. Yeah. Because the, uh, there was so much descriptive text. Yeah. You're right I, for everything, you know. I will say that when I was reading the books, whenever we would get to a song, I just burn right by that bad boy. I would not. The songs were the worst. But when I listened to, and even to this day, last night, in fact, I to fall asleep every night, I put on the audible version of The Lord of the Rings, which is read by a guy named Rob Inglis. And he sings the songs. And he in the liner notes, it talks about how he approached Tolkien and he was like, like, 
if I sing it like this, will it be okay? And Tolkien's like, yeah. And so it's a Tolkien approved singing and it makes the songs way better. It also helps with pronunciation and stuff. So if you're finding yourself like wanting to get into the Lord of the Rings, but being put off by the length and the songs and the, all the different names and stuff, uh, I suggest uh, <laughs> downloading the audiobook version read by Rob Inglis. It, it makes it a lot better. I also, I mean, I love The Hobbit too. Um, I just recently, I guess it's been five years ago now, I bought a new illustrated version. Um, and the illustrations are by, uh, her name is like Jemima Caitlin or something like that. And they're excellent. It's a nice hardback copy. Um, and uh, The Hobbit's a great story. The movies, the less said about the better. <laughs> did you did you see the animated movie for The Hobbit? No, I haven't seen either. I haven't seen see, either. I, I, that, I watched that before I read the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I love the songs. It's funny, that's probably the, of, the, of the Hobbit trilogy, the new ones, which I didn't even watch. The, I haven't watched the last one. I'd had enough. Uh, the but I thought the songs were sort of the best parts. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's I'm cool. the big song guy, but well, yeah, and I, I mean, that's, there's something different in there for everybody. But um, it, it, I was I was deeply disappointed in the films. Um, they they were too long. Mm-hmm. They were they were for God's sakes, it was one book, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. And on the flip side, I was deeply impressed with the trilogy's films. You know, uh, you remember you were talking about the middle school library. What got me to read any of the books is they had, I think it was, I believe it was the second book, and all that was on the cover, I remember it to this day, was the, a river with the two statues standing mm-hmm. like that on yeah, either side, um, and it was so cool looking. Yeah. And so I remember in the movie where that scene where they go through, that's just like, oh, God, it's just like the movie, the book cover, you know? And the very beginning of the film where, where they have that huge battle, I was with my buddy Wes, and we just looked at each other. And I, I, uh, I almost felt like we would have hold hands. Like yeah. this is it. Yeah. You know, it was so great. Yeah, the trilogy is probably the best book to film translation I've ever seen. I mean, it's so good, and that's what made The Hobbit so disappointing. Was that they? I mean, it was just like, it was like when I saw Gentlemen Prefer Broncos which is the the guy that made Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre his third movie. And it was so bad compared to his first two movies. And it made me dislike the the movies I liked just because the, it was made by the same guy. That's the way I felt watching The Hobbit. I was like, I cannot believe the guy that made the Lord of the Rings movies was behind this garbage. It's garbage. Of that movie. That oh, it, 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 it did poorly, to say the and least. And I love Napoleon Dynamite. Nacho Libre, eh, I was yeah. okay. But uh, yeah, The Hobbit. So The Hobbit has a special place in my heart. The mm. first big time, uh, like medieval style action book I ever read was The Hobbit. So yeah. I started off at a high level. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron, it's time to start beating around the bush. I think I said it's time to start beating around the bush. It's time right to st- time to stop, or maybe we should start. Maybe we should just talk about The Hobbit. I mean, you could you could edit it out in post, boat. We'll so, fix everything in post. I'll have to say I, I had heard this game's name mentioned. Uh, it, with the spectrum, but I had not. I had knew zero about this game. Uh, I had no idea, uh, and so lo and behold, here it comes. It comes down the pike for us now. Now I know there were two. Ver- let's before we get before we get too deep into this. Let's get into this part. I know there were a couple versions of this made, right? Right. There was a 48k and then a 128k, right? Right. And now so, I played, and I know I saw people rolling their eyes, but I played the 48k version. Okay. So, and I'm assuming you played the other one. Yeah, I played both. Okay, good. So you can, anything I, that I could get wrong, or you could school me. 
because uh, I'm looking at the video you've got to print now, and it looks way better than what I was looking at when I was playing. So uh, The Hobbit, uh, uh, developed by Beam Software, uh, which, <laughs> interesting name, uh, they worked on such uh, luminary titles as 3D Maze Man, uh, Bedland, Chess, and Doc the Destroyer, Rock and Wrestle, which is called Bop and Wrestle in America, mm -hmm. uh, Way of the Exploding Fist, they worked on that series, uh, Spectrum Invaders, and about a million other titles. Uh, it was published by Melbourne House, uh, released in 1982. That's early days, Boat. Yeah. Uh, 82. Uh, and uh, now, was the was the 128 come out at the same time, or did it come out a little bit later? The know? 128 is a uh, fan-made version that was put out by World of Spectrum here oh, recently. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go, then. Um, so, uh, this was worked on by a couple Australians, Boat. Okay. Uh, Philip Mitchell. Uh, he worked on uh, a game called Melbourne Draw, Muggsy, uh, Penetrator, and Sherlock, and uh, Veronica Megler, uh, who worked on Penetrator. This Penetrator game sounds good, Boat. <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that makes me uncomfortable <laughs> just saying it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, rule, the, the rule book for it, and also the screen has a thing that says that the illustrations in it were based on drawings by Kent Reese. And the uh, the cover the the uh, tape cover art was done by someone named Con Aslanis. Cool name. Mm. Now, did you know this got released on like a million machines? And one I, of these really surprised me. I knew that, that there was a I knew there was a C sixty four version, but I I don't know about any of the other ones. Well, get this. I was stunned to read this, and I had, I checked two different sources to make sure. Uh, of course, the Spectrum, the Amstrad, BBC. Uh, now, some of these had no graphics. Okay. All right. So some just got the text. Um, the uh, now get this one, but the Dragon sixty four. Wow. I got to look in on that. That's uh, the first. That, I think that's the first time I've ever heard that system mentioned in one of these podcasts. That's a stunner. The yeah. Oric, uh, the MSX, Apple II. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently there was a DOS booter version and a Mac version, and there was an unofficial release of this on the Commodore Plus Four. So go figure. Hmm. Uh, this, that, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the uh, Dragon 64 yeah. version of this. Um, <coughs> so, what is this game? Well, this is your this is sort of your classic uh, graphical text adventure game. It's a text ba it's a it's basically a text game with some pictures right uh, in it, boat, uh, and you are basically charged with uh, uh, taking the lead role. As you uh, uh, go on an adventure here with the, all the usual sus all the suspects that you'd expect, you've got uh, Gandalf in there, Elrond, all, all the guys from the books, um, and you type in commands into a uh, parser to uh, to do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, opening screen, I will say, just to kick this off, and you can see how, where I'm going to be going here. The opening screen of this was as infuriating as I've ever seen. I wanted to instantly quit, <laughs> but I could not actually look in the stupid chest. Right. I tried for an hour to look in this chest, and I never succeeded. Did you? Did uh, you well, look in this thing? You can't look in the chest. You can't look Thank in the you, chest. Because I would have felt like an idiot if he said, oh, yeah, you just have to type in blah. Yeah. This game, <laughs> this game had some... And I found a lot of information out about the game, all right? Uh, and one of the things you find out about it is it's got a pretty advanced parser system, uh, one that you can write complete sentences in, including 
in, in true Tolkien fashion, you can put flowery dialogue in your in your sentence, <laughs> and sometimes you have to use flowery. Oh dialogue, yeah, yep. Which is, have you ever seen this in a history of any game? It's 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 different. It's different. So I printed out in the back of the rule book, they have a dictionary boat, <laughs> and I printed this out. It's not long, but I just wanted to, it gives you an idea of what you can type into this parser. Okay. Movements are just like you'd expect. Up, down, S, E, east, north, in. That all works fine. Uh, then you've got uh, special verbs. Examine, uh, inventory, load, print, stuff like that. Again, normal stuff. You've got action verbs, exactly what you expect. I want to get down to the, to the adverbs here. Carefully, gently, quickly, mm -hmm. softly, viciously. These are things you can add to your sentences that actually have worth in the game. Right. And I can remember at least once where you had to add one of these. But I'm, I think I watched your video, and we, we got pretty much about the similar areas. Uh, and uh, it's weird. Uh, what, what did you think of the parser in this thing, Bode? Uh, the, you know, I don't have a problem with adding in some, some adverbs. Uh, the, I think the worst part about the, the parser is uh, the dialogue system. Whenever you have to talk to another character... Uh, instead of just saying talk Gandalf and then Gandalf will talk to you, you can write talk Gandalf and then it just says you talk to Gandalf. Yeah. You know, uh, you have to you have to write say to Gandalf, Gandalf, Gandalf. I don't know how you say it. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he'll respond. Um, it's very weird and uh, I don't like it. Uh, everything else is your standard text-based adventure game fare, which means crap, you know, like just like cheap nonsense you'd never be able to figure out on your own without without a without a guide. I will say that I don't know if the, um, I guess the original instructions came with the text of the parser. I was looking at some text file from uh, World of Spectrum. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it, I don't want to say that this is any better or any worse than any other text-based adventure game. And I've played a million of them. They're all not ideal, you know. Well, Listen, I'm not here to bury this game exactly because I, it does have some interesting. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Some interesting stuff going on. Okay, so, and you realize this quickly when you play this game. Uh, this game effectively occurs in real time. Yes. So, when I went to use the bathroom, and then came back and I was dead, they killed me. I took too long, and then they killed me. So you have to type. You have to type in pause. Mm -hmm. And it'll pause the game. Otherwise, everything's happening. Right. Uh, so you'll get to points where you just stand there like an idiot, and you can either just stand there, or you can type wait, mm -hmm. and then you will wait, uh, which I've seen that before, but not to this extent. Like th This reminds me of, uh, you know what game this reminds me of? Is Cruise for a Corpse. Remember that on the Amiga? I remember it, but go on. So you have to wait for certain. You have to wait for certain times for th certain things to happen. So you just have to kind of hang around sometimes for certain events to take place. Now in Cruise for a Corpse, they made it more apparent because there was like an in-game clock and things like that, and you could you were supposed to line things up. In this game, you really have no idea that you're supposed to wait around in this certain place for a goblin to capture you. You know there are uh, there are certain things that you 
it, I have no idea how anyone would figure this stuff out on their own. It just boggles the mind. And of course, the instruction give you helpful hints like, if you get stuck, just read the book. And by the book, yeah. they mean The Hobbit, because the novel The Hobbit came with the game. Yeah, the book came with the game. It, which, by the way, for the... Now, I, I, I'm assuming the book... Was, was it a physical book, both, that came with it? Yeah. No, do you think it was a digital copy to read on your Kindle? Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I thought maybe it was like a text file that they you could load no, up. No, give me a break. A text well, file. The reason I ask is, I mean, this game, when this originally sold, uh, it was, and this is 82, it was 15 pounds. And so for a book plus the game, it's not a bad deal. No, it's know? not. It's I'm uh, sure it sold a lot of copies, and I'm sure lots of people got more joy out of reading the book than they did playing the game. Well, the game, you know, the, the game is funny. Uh, so I tried different approaches before I watched your video. And then I watched your video, and it was funny uh, how we approached it very similar. We got to almost exactly the same spots and, and did almost the same stuff. Uh, and you had everybody helping you. Uh, so the first thing I did was, because you, you, the game just picks up, and Gandalf comes in. He's like, yeah, me and Thorin want you to come with us. <laughs> and you're just like, okay. You know, and then and Gandalf's got a map. He keeps looking at this map, and occasionally he'll give you the map. And then sometimes he takes it back. Right. And so, and you can't, you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so, the first thing I did was just follow Gandalf anywhere he went. Right. All right. Well, Gandalf's an idiot. <laughs> I, I learned that. <laughs> just because a game has characters that move on their own in the background doesn't mean they're doing the right no, thing. No, no. They just so if meander. You follow Gandalf around, he just stumbles around like a moron. He has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> all right. And so, <laughs> I learned quickly that following Gandalf ain't going to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say it, may, it gave me the ability to map out an area, mm -hmm. you know, because I, ha I had a uh, I had a piece of paper. I didn't even get the graph paper. I got, which by the way, I ended up getting a map for this because you need a map. Yeah. In fact, you need several big maps for this game. Uh, I think this game's got 50, 55 areas, something like that. Which is which is funny because the game's area in terms of Middle Earth is highly compressed. Like yeah, you, you can get the Riverdale in like two steps. <laughs> right, you're like there, you know, and you're just, and you just left your house. You like step your out. Door. You step out of your house in Hobbiton, and you see the desolate landscape in front of you. Of <laughs> just it's like, and then the next screen over is the goblins, and the next screen and over is Riverdale. Yeah, just so, in them. Yeah, it's like, man, this is great. I'm, I'm making great time to Mordor. Right. <laughs> Um, so when you learn you can't follow Gandalf, you, you okay, you got to do some of this map. Okay, then you get to go down to the fun-filled rabbit hole of parser fun, trying to figure out how to how to get the map back, how to read the map, mm -hmm. what to do with the map, who to give the map to. Right. You know, well, you find out there's someone that can read because it's not as simple as thinking, hey, can maybe this guy can read the map. All right. It took me a good while just to figure out how to give and take the map. Mm -hmm. You know, along. I mean, this game is not Infocom intuitive. Let's put it well, that way. Well, I think that this is. You know, they were trying to take a different tack. There was there when you play a lot of the Infocom games, you become familiar with the way that they want you to do things, and it's difficult to get out of that mind. It was difficult for me to get out of that mindset. This is not necessarily any better or worse, but it's just different and not to the game's detriment. I think it's worse, and I'll tell you why. Because I didn't play enough Infocon games to get used to the way they do things. But the way they do stuff, I mean, listen, look, when you open chest, you should be able to look chest, examine chest, yeah. look in chest. Mm -hmm. When you can't do any of those things, then the parser's dumb or that room is dumb. Well, the room is that, dumb. The room is okay, dumb. Okay, thank you. 
Um, so anyway, eventually, uh, <coughs> I figured out that I could give the map to um, help me out here. The guy Elrond. Yeah, that's and he would tell me. Okay, he would give me a hint. Right. Of how to get somewhere. All right. Then of course, this one of the first things I also did was go to the. Uh, area with the trolls or whatever, the, the yep. singing trolls, and instantly, if you sit there for more than one turn, you're eating. Right. And so you're bone there. Well, you've got to get a key off these idiots so you can get it, so you can get the uh, uh, short sword out of their stone vault. Mm -hmm. So you can, and that way you'll have a way to kill the warg. Yep. And you also have to have the sword to see. Yeah. Because if you get captured by the wood elf and you're in the dark, you see where I'm going. So here. there are there are a couple um, striking differences between the Bilbo of of uh, the Hobbit and the Bilbo of the Hobbit for the ZX Spectrum. All right. One is that Bilbo's a stone cold killer in this game. Whenever yeah. anybody or anything gets in his way, his first response is to cleave their skull twain with his long sword. I like the fact that he just whacks a ward, bam, yeah. like it's nothing. And that, it's well, like those things are super deadly. Later on, when you get into the place, you, know, you get captured by the elves and you escape, and you go down to where the the, the wine barrels are, and uh, and then the butler comes in, and, and the, the, your first thought is, who is this butler? Why does El or why does uh, why does the, uh, the the wood elves need a Jeeves character? You know be bopping around so the first thing that i'm thinking is like okay well maybe i need to hide in this barrel nope that doesn't work well maybe i need to talk to the butler nope the butler if you try to talk to me captures you what you have to do when the butler enters you take your sword and you bring it down on his head and destroy him immediately just like the book now let me let me tell you well yeah <laughs> yeah and just like it unlike the book so, remember the part where the wood elf, you find the wood elf and they capture you? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought wood elves were nice. And so, when I saw the wood elf, I didn't panic. I said, talk wood elf, got captured. If you don't have the sword, I don't know if this ever happened to you, you're in pitch black. Really? And so, you know you know, in that room, you have to mill around and wait for someone to open the door? Mm -hmm. You can't get there. It's You're screwed. Oh, Game wow. over. You, eventually, you stumble into the dark until you die, like an idiot. All right? I had nothing. And so there are places in the game, and I read this in the documentation, there are more than a few places that you can just, you're boned. Mm. This is not like a, um, a game where you can't get killed. Oh, yeah. This is a game where you can get killed a lot, and you can screw up a lot. And think about it. I didn't have that one element, and I didn't even know it was even there, by the way, to get. All right, so, and then so I ended up in a dark, empty room alone, and I died. I was like, "What the hell do I do now?" Yeah, you know, how the hell do I get there? Yeah, and so I well, there's there's then a... I watched your video and saw what you did, and you went a different direction than I did. I was like, "Okay, here we go. Here's how you do it." But I had skipped that whole section you went on. Mm -hmm. I had I had in fact I found the uh, brand uh, what Bandy's house and stuff. I found all I said well, they even have no one reading the map for me at all. I found it right. You know, so there's a so certain there order. It's a good and bad thing. You can there are different things you can do. Uh, in this game, that you there, it's not necessarily you're not bound by a certain path mm -hmm. until you are. Yeah, and right? it's a, it's a totally open world experience where the the characters you can go anywhere in the game. You know, if you go to somewhere in the wrong order, you're not going to be able to you know you're not going to be able to progress. But the way that the characters move in and out of scenes, and sometimes characters will just wander off, and you've got to go and look for them, and you've got to bring them back. Here's another difference: Bilbo has the strength of Lou Ferrigno. Okay, there's parts of this game where you have to hold Thorin aloft, you have to hold Barn aloft, and you have to carry him around. 
Did you see this in the videos? No, I didn't yeah, that. you have to. It says pick up uh, Bard. You have to pick him up. You know, I think maybe when Bard kills the dragon, you have to hold him aloft so he can he can bend back his bow. It's insane. Why did they make you do this? Bilbo is not a strong man. He's not even a man at all. He's a hobbit. He sounds like a bad dude. He's a yeah. big killer, sword yielding strong man. This would have to be if they remade Lord of the Rings in the dark in the in, in the gritty dark way that they do every movie now. That would be what Bilbo would be played by. Vin Diesel. Now let's let's talk about the art because we can compare and contrast. I'm glad you get this video up here since that's the first time I've seen this particular version. Um, playing on the 48K, I would call the art low end. Okay, it was not that good. Uh, it, now uh, this reminded me very much of playing uh, some of the uh, color computer graphic text games uh, in terms of. Uh, the graphics were, these look a little more like MS Painty, but I mean, they were still on the same kind of level. Some were better than others. You know, one of now, the things, uh, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I want to bring this up since you mentioned the color computer. One of the things that I like about the color computer games is that whenever you're typing text in, you still get to look at the picture. The picture doesn't go away. Yeah. That, that, there's a weird element to this game where you have to sort of hit the hit a button or something to get the picture to move up so you can see the, all the flavor text. Yeah. Weird, yeah. Uh, boat. I, I, now, did they? Is it still like that in the in the yeah. version you played? Yeah, I mean, we're, um, we're seeing the, that. Yeah, uh, the uh, uh, the pictures though were still better than nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and they gave you some idea of what was happening. Now, if you compare those, <coughs> excuse me, to the new to the new uh, version here that we're looking at, these look pretty surprisingly. Uh, lovely uh, boat. Now, you were treated with some pretty good visuals then, weren't you? Yeah, the problem is is that I was expecting with the 128K version that every location would have a picture. And there are more pictures, but uh, I would have I added a picture in for every, every scene. Yeah, it, it would have been nice. But I mean, um, the pictures in this are still better than the ones I saw. And I actually went and found like a slideshow of all the pictures mm -hmm. in mine. And they... they they range from pretty bad to there are a few that were pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to rag on them. It was 82. Right. You know, having pictures uh, at all in a text adventure game was a pretty new thing. Exactly. It's not like you could whip out D paint, and knock out some awesome pictures in 10 minutes. Right. I mean, this, this stuff took time, brother. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, <coughs> the new one, the pictures look a lot better. Uh, I'd be interested to know, did, uh, you said you played them both. What else did they change in the, in the newer version? I think that that's it. I think that everything else is the same. There you go, then. <laughs> so the same uh, annoying, painful text and whatnot, yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this game, now here's, now listen, I know, um, man, we, we we did Target and Renegade a couple weeks ago. Some people weren't happy with our look at this game. But I'm, I'm just going to call them like I see them, you know? Uh, and this game to me, uh, it was I just I couldn't get into it that much. And what really bothered me was just it was was that parser was just a pain in the butt. And I wondered to myself if this didn't have the Hobbit name attached to it, if this would be if this game would be remembered so fondly or you know any with any great shakes, man. It just I know it's a big game. I know there's stuff going on in the background, you know. But I mean, other games have done that. Infocom did it. Um, I just it. To me, it felt, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's sort of pedestrian. The fact, here's something else that bothered me. <coughs> that idiot Thorin. Every time he took more than three seconds, this moron would sit on his butt and play this stupid guitar and sing about gold. <laughs> what is that? 
What is going on? And I mean, he would do it right before you were eating. You know those trolls? I'm getting ready to get my my little hobbit buddy, and he's in there singing. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm getting killed. That's they true. That's true. Am I wrong? Well, I think they were trying to, to put in some text-based idle animations, which is a weird thing. Um, they were trying to make the character seem alive in the universe, but yeah, Thorin only being able to sing about gold or tell you to hurry up Probably they put it, they should have put a couple more things in and maybe not put him in those sorts of positions when your life is in danger. And the sad thing is this parser, he gets a lot of, like, here, I'm going to give you an example here, Boat. Uh, this is off of a review I found, right off the wiki. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of games you get the old get lamp or get this right. and go there. And this game, and this system is called English, by the way, with an I. I, I, yeah. N-G-L-I-S-H. <laughs> Here's the sample sentence. Ask Gandalf about the curious map, and then take sword and kill troll with it. What is that going to come up? Yeah. All in one sentence, you're going to type this? Yeah. You know, no one's going to type a sentence like that. It's weird, you're, man. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, and we only play these games for a week. So, I didn't, so that, this may get awesome as you go on. And I'm not sitting here and saying that it's not great. I don't know, but it didn't do it for me, uh, Boatster. I did find some wacky trivia notes on this thing. <laughs> uh, the guy, Veronica, he says this was never released in the U.S. because uh, some company owns the rights to the pictures and wouldn't let them license it there. Man, they're holding on to those for that 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 big... Uh, what are they holding on to those rights for the picture? What what? How else could you use those pictures? No, no, listen to this one. In the pre-release version, Veronica says he wrote a angry dwarf that kept trying to kill you if uh, if you did something, which you couldn't remember, then he changed it to this dwarf that he calls it a Randy dwarf <laughs> that kept pro- following you around and propositioning you. Wow. But Fred and Phil decided that was a little too much and made me take it out again. Probably so, couldn't move. I don't want a Randy dwarf following <laughs> me around. You almost, you almost got that. Also, there's a famous bug in the game, according to the trivia on this. You could put yourself inside the chest, close the lid, and still walk around in the game and look at things. That's pretty wacky. It's like a Metal Gear Solid thing. You know, but that, you know, that's, this game had several bugs, and it went through different revisions. The revision I played, by the way, was 1.2a, which I believe was the last revision of the original game. Uh, It seems like I read someplace, because like I said, there's a lot of stuff going on. Stuff happens in the background while you're playing. Like, the whole world's alive, basically. Mm. (laughs) And I read somewhere that one of the things they had trouble with was that the animals and stuff would just go? We would encounter each other and kill each other before you got there. Oh, see, so that was what's the it's, problem? It's a living world. It's, it's persistent. It's uh, what's that? Or what's that? Procedural, procedural yeah, and elements. Patient warns: due to the immense size and complexity of the game, it is impossible to guarantee that it will ever be completely error-free. That's what Melbourne House put it. <laughs> They're telling you, this and thing's going to get screwed just up. Just an update from the chat. Veronica Megler, not a dude. Oh, it's, well, hey, you never know. So there you go. Well, good. good. That's a good good tip. Listen, every time it's it's got a K in there, and you know as well as I do with all these European names. Oh, that I are know. Kind of American. I know. So thank you, Frodo, for, for setting me right there. Uh, we did get uh, some uh, reviews, some user reviews over on yeah, the Discord. Uh, we got one from D-Man. He says, this is uh, the Hobbit 128K review, which was the game that we were assigned to cover by Frodo NL, Clive's club member. Improved graphically both in content and rendering speed, although the original vector graphics had their charm too. 
The significant speed increase also means this is now bearable to play on original hardware rather than under emulation and ramping up the processor speed. Uh, gameplay unchanged from the original quintessential text adventure. Still good replay value once you know the solution, including how to get out of the notorious Goblin's Dungeon as the NPC's movement and actions make for a potentially different experience each time, particularly in the Goblin Town and Morkwood parts of the map. Uh, Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, writes... Oh, and uh, D-Man gave that a 9 out of 10. D-Man loves this game. Uh, Paul, a.k.a. Hermski, writes... Uh, 6 out of 10. The renewed 128K version is a great example of how expectations of the Spectrum increased. The artwork is attractively detailed, providing improved enjoyability to the gameplay. However, the new team cannot take credit for the game's original content, therefore reviewing both versions as a whole. The Hobbit was one of the first text adventure games with graphics that took the genre to the next level. What spoiled the game was the frustrating commands needed to progress. Almost impossible without the help of a hint sheet or magazine walkthrough. Would anyone guess that you needed to type wait a dozen times for a crack to appear in a cave wall or a goblin to come and capture you? Type in a command, see it fail, why would you try it again, let alone several times? Thankfully, these game stoppers were lately, later eradicated by three-headed monkeys and comical pirates of LucasArts. And Laurent writes, I cannot review this game because I, I did not play it, but this is not for lack of wanting. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a review at all. Unfortunately, until I get better at managing my time, I will leave this job to more spec capable Our Sinclair listeners. Love you guys. I should not, I should have read that before I read it. And yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. We got one more. Frodo NL, the Clive's Club member that suggested this game. The original 48K version was an absolute marvel when it first came out in 1982. It had a physics system way beyond anything available in other adventures of the time and NPCs that acted independent of the player and could be told to perform certain actions. It made for a fun game with a lot of atmosphere. This 128K edition updates the graphics. Very colorful, snappy loading bitmaps instead of the necessarily somewhat limited and slower vector graphics in the 48K version. Adds a nice loading screen and an actual ending screen. 9.5 out of 10. So, two things I wanted to mention here before we uh, get to the, the magazine reviews. One, the uh, I'd forgotten until until they mentioned it. The rendering time of the uh, pictures. Um, it is funny to watch, and it does get irritating. But it was very. It reminded me. It was almost like the text version of like watching leaderboard. That's the way, <laughs> yeah, it was very similar. The way I think I mentioned that on this on my on my stream too. <laughs> and then, secondly. Uh, as 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 harsh as it seems like I'm being, uh, I want to I want to uh, uh, flavor or at least knock down my I don't hate it because one thing you've got to consider about this game is when it was I like I don't like it now okay I don't I'm not a huge text guy and I don't like it now uh, in '82 I, when I was playing these sorts of games on the Coco and you know in that era. Um, I used to play the crap out of some of these on the Coca. There was the high point in my graphic text career. Mm -hmm. And I've mentioned on, on other shows, Trek Boer and Black Sanctum and uh, stuff like that on the Coca. And I will say, there's a level of complexity in this game uh, that uh, is way beyond uh, what we were playing on the Coco. All right, now, uh, this has a Dragon 64 release. That's why it interests me. Because to think that I could have had a look at this back in those days is, is interesting to me. Uh, but there, this is a, uh, a more um, uh, 
they, this, they, these guys were putting together a more complicated piece of kit here than what I was used to. And so I will say, uh, uh, given the time it was released, uh, I think they, they had a lot going on. Now, all that said, um, frustrating parser is frustrating parser to me. And, and it takes away from a game that might have had a lot of stuff happening that I found interesting. And it might be huge and expansive, but if it drives me crazy to try typing commands, you know, putting it, just it's poor game design when you put something in the first room when a guy's just sitting down to play it and they can't get it to work right. Right. Not good. Right. And then going on doesn't get any better. It's it's and sort so, of the graphic adventure equivalent of in Target Renegade how the guy on the motorcycle comes out right immediately and knocks you down and kills you. Yeah, and, and you just like you just get it over and over. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Give us a minute. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, um, have more help. Infogram, info, uh, uh, com games. They gave you pretty good help when you asked for it. And sometimes they would even give you the solution, right. you know, as you got on. Uh, so, <coughs> but I will, I will concede that under the under the year it was released, it, it's quite it's quite an achievement in that in that department. Um, I looked up some reviews on this Boatster. Uh, uh, this was beloved, by the way. Uh, World of Spectrum gave us an eight point five four, it's a real high score. Uh, Telematch gave us a three out of three. Uh, CVG gave it a 28 out of 30. Uh, Micro 7, 5 stars. Uh, ASM 9.8 out of 12. ZX, uh, ZX Computing gave it a 4 stars. Eurogamer gives it 8 out of 10. It was the second place in the CVG 1983 Golden Joystick Awards Game of the Year. And it won that year Best Strategy Game, which I'm not even considered as a strategy game, so I guess it was just. Genres sort of like were loose. Category. Yeah, genres were loose back then. It's like when you get, what, what was that one? Best golf, car, and earth simulator. <laughs> you know, one of those. Uh, it, it was on the ace, greatest games of all time. <laughs> and uh, it's quite popular. You can get this game on Feather on eBay. Uh, believe it or not, I've seen, there were copies of this going between 10 and 20 bucks. But if you look around and you get lucky, you can get one for six, seven bucks. Yeah, yeah. And this is another one that's just like, you know, if this was the first graphic adventure that you'd ever seen and it was The Hobbit <laughs> and you got to play as Bilbo, like, yeah. you're going to have better memories than somebody that comes in having played a ton of these games and the parser's not up to snuff. You know, it's funny. I'm thinking to myself, in 82, I was, uh, let's see here, 10, I was what, 12, something like that? You were 11 in 82. 11, and so I would be playing, I would have been reading the book very close to when this was released. Mm -hmm. And had I been at the peak of my mania for the book, and I will say, uh, I have given much crappier games much more time if I have an interest in what their subject matter is. And The Hobbit is probably one of the ultimate subject matters you could have for a game. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank our um, people that are here in the chat with us, watching live on Twitch. We record our Sinclair every Friday at about 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Um, you can join us, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, 48K Ram is here. Hermski, Lance Lance, 73. 10Mark, uh, Paul Kitching. Uh, let's see who else. Pixels at Dawn Gaming here, doing the mod work. Uh, go to go sub is here. Uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Uh, this Good is crowd. yeah late into the night in, for those of you over in Europe. Frodo and L. Uh, of course, we also Delamort is here with us. Edvin is still with us in the man cave, the Norse man cave of doom. Um, 
And of course, we want to thank once again Frodo NL, Clive's Club member, for suggesting this game. Uh, we want to thank all of our um, Twitch subscribers. You can subscribe to us on Twitch for free if you have Amazon Prime, uh, and it helps us out a lot. You get all the same benefits as if you support us on Patreon. Silver Streak 72, Wing Chun Wolf, Go To Go Sub, Frodo NL. Honored Shadow, Retro Jerry, Darkwing 602, Buck Owens, Christian Russell, Mohawk Mall, Chris Fold, still adolescing, Mitsuyama, Rushi MSX, Kilobytes and Caffeine, and Macintosh Librarian. We also want to thank our Patreon supporters, as always, Mark Downey, Hermski, Andrew Waite, Cap'n Crispy, Laurent Giroux, Gary Heather, Eric Nelson, Harbonaut, Graham Vebke, Frodo NL, Tapes from the Crypt, Pixels at Dawn, Chris Folds, Paul Bossman Harrington, and Christopher Hassall. Thank you guys Thank you. so much for your support. Aaron, next week, this is a game I've been waiting literally since we started the show to play on this show. And I, I've got I've to give all the credit to Clive's Club member Chris Folds for suggesting it. We're going to take out the trash next week, Aaron. It's Trash Man. I've never heard of that. You've never heard of Trash Man? No. You're going to love this game. Trust me. This game is... Okay. I'm not being funny. This game is great. Okay, great. I'm anxious to try it. Cool. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Until then, rewind tape. And press play.